This week, we're taking a look at the newest unearthed arcana, and I, for one, am excited. Come along with us on a short trip. We're leaving the Forgotten Realms behind. We are even leaving our homebrew world behind for a bit anyway. It's our look at the Heroes of Kryn UA this week on the Dungeon Master's Dojo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host, Louis Aponte, and these are your dungeon masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. Let's head to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. Hey, Bill. Hey, Scott. I'm I'm homesick. Well, we better get you back home then. We just left our homebrew world, and I'm already homesick. Yeah, the food here sucks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not cooking. Well, that explains it. (laughs) Simple. Everything everything tastes like chicken. (laughs) How am I going to maintain my svelte physique with... Vegetables? (laughs) (laughs) Fruit? (laughs) What is those foul words you say? (laughs) Meat, 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 meat. <laughs> I'm pretty jazzed at what this unearthed arcana may mean. I like the way you put that. I am a little disappointed because I wanted much more. I'm in that same boat. Yeah. I was like, woohoo. And then I started looking at it. I was like, wait, there's like a ton of stuff missing. That's what I was I was just saying that to Bill. But I did point out that a lot of stuff that comes out of UA is usually relatively brief and is just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Yep. So just we're, the tip. We're, we're hoping. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You both, are, you both are cut off. Already. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've already finished mine. Scott's still nursing He's his. He's sipping his. Um, yeah, I just, the, the UA stuff is usually relatively brief and hopefully. Uh, they will expound upon this and and flesh it out a little bit better. I think they will. Yeah. Now, what this may too. mean, though, is that maybe we're going to get a Kryn source book. Kryn being the campaign setting for Dragonlance. Yes. Um, I was never a big fan of the D&D novels. I just, eh. But the Dragonlance stuff, I really dug. And the, um, the stuff by... By R.A. Salvatore, I like, you know, the Icewind Dale trilogy and the Dark Elf trilogy, and that's pretty much where I stopped because I'm not a huge Drizzt or Drizzt or however the hell you spell his name. Doerden fan, I think it's kind of overdone and over overhyped, and he's he's not that awesome. I know there's probably people that are like, I could take him, <gasps> but I could take him. Dragonlance I loved. You're right, um, uh, and I'm, I'm hoping this does, well... I think you're right. I think it's going to open up, and we probably will see, um, hopefully, a source book coming from this because they're running out of the mundane stuff to throw out of the the uh, the mill. Yeah, and and um, and people have been screaming for stuff like this for a bit. Yeah, yes, we, it'd we be need nice these to other... listen. It'd be nice to listen to the, pe- the people. Yeah, I don't want to serve coffee at the university coffee shop. You know, at whatever wizarding college I go to, <laughs> um, I want. I want something with some some meat. 
Yeah, something you know? a little more substantial. Yeah. So I'm hoping. I'm hoping. You know, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind dipping my toe back into the deserts of uh, is it Arthas or Dark Sun or Athos. I'm trying. You, I'm, you're you're looking at the old I, guy with the bad memory. I, I think it's Arthas. I think it's Arthas. Yeah. Yeah. Your memory's shit. Except for like D and D stuff, <laughs> that's why I looked at you. I get it. I get where it. are my glasses? I can't find my. They're they're on your face. Oh, oh, okay. oh. <laughs> what? Yeah. What page is this on in Second Edition's Dungeon Masters? Oh, two hundred and thirty-eight. It's actually a chart. Oh, okay. So we get we get some we get some stuff. Um, a touch. Yeah, just a. Just a touch. The beginnings is a taste. Um, Shall we get into it? Yeah, let's 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 get into this. And gosh, you know, I, I I hope this is for all the noobs here, right? They're probably not going to understand or know what sort of awesomeness may be coming down the pike. I get that. Uh, yeah, um, you're right. For those of us that like have experienced Dragonlance. And maybe even adventured in the world of Crin. I spent some time there. Yeah, actually, I used it quite a bit. Actually, it's yep. a little known fact that I am actually an honorary Knight of Salamnia. I'm a Knight of the Rose. Yeah, it, I have the it, plaque at it's home. So little known that. Yeah. Well, literally, like, no one knows this. I don't like to brag, <laughs> but I am kind of a big deal in Crin. Sorry, you know. I've... There's nothing better than a hero from a fictitious world. Yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> Just like Dritz. Yeah. yeah. Batman. Yeah. Superman. Flash Gordon. Or Dritz. Kind of overdone, you know, just kind of blown <laughs> out of proportion. <laughs> no big deal. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're going uh, through, like, the usual stuff, right? Uh, the ability score increases that we see with yeah, all yeah. of these. Yeah, the languages. Languages, yep. Um, what creature type it is. Lifespans. And it always refer to the handbook. Refer to the player's handbook. Refer yep. to the handbook. I'm, I'm, I'm getting tired of reading this stuff. Yeah, and height and weight. But now we <laughs> get a look at the Kender. The Kender. Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman didn't have halflings in their world. They had they had Kender, which some people will erroneously say are the the Kryn halflings, but they're not. They're... They're they're quite they're little they're about they're about as tall as a halfling, uh, slightly pointy ears, humanoid looking. They look like a halfling, but I think the similarities quite literally stop there. I think it's not. They're I slender, think they're more human esque yeah. with pointed ears, right. and they they have the appearance. They're weazened. Yeah. Oh, uh, yep. Looking, they they tend to even the young ones tend to have, you know, the creases in their forehead, you know, the crow's feet. They generally wear a top knot on top of their head. Mm-hmm. And they do they, not have big feet. They do not. They do, do not, not have nor, the big hairy feet. Nor do they run about uh, unshod. They wear boots. Um, and they're uh, fearless, or at least they were back in the day. Back in the day, they were fearless. Um, and their their cultural weapon of choice was the hoopak. Yes. Which was a staff with like a slingshot type of thing on it. Or it was more like... Um, wasn't really a slingshot. It was kind of, it was kind of like an atlatl for rocks. Yeah, yeah. It was almost <laughs> like uh, high lie. You know. Yeah. They, there you go. Yeah. Put a stone in there and they let it rip. Give it a whip. Yeah. A hand catapult is what I called it. 
<laughs> yeah, they definitely have kind of five E'd them up a little bit, you know, where yeah, they a, have a whimsical magic of the Feywild, you know, <laughs> that's what I have to say about that. <laughs> um, they're uh, naturally curious, which is which is under that's how they'd probably bleed into other D and D worlds, you know. Well, they were hugely curious in the original yes. incarnation as well, so at least they kind of kept that. They just used the the whimsical magic of the Feywild yeah. as an excuse to make them curious, or just make them curious. And they, yeah, and they added, you know, they added this in uh, diverse appearances, like like humans, which I I don't think was the case. No, it was not. In the original Dragonlance. And here's here's my here's my take on on diversity in a fantasy setting. Go um, ahead, because I was about to go on my set, my soapbox, so let's hear yours. It's diverse <clears throat> as it is. Yes. Right? Your elves are your elves. They're different than humans, right? They look different than humans. Their their build is different. Just their overall appearance is different. Yep. Right. And humans, I understand you know, the need for humans to be uh, reflective of the diversity amongst amongst humans in the present day. But I don't think that's necessary for fantasy creatures because I don't know that you need to be able to relate to a dwarf. You know, it's it's like, I, I want my <laughs> dwarves to look like me. Well, no, I don't. I want them to look like dwarves because me, I'm six foot four. That's a tall fucking dwarf. That's right? like three of them stacked up. Yeah. Um, they are, tend to be, earthen tone skin, you know, they have, the women have beards. That's pretty diverse yeah. um, in comparison to other things. I get what Wizards of the Coast is trying to do. It's trying to be, you know, politically correct. You know, they want to make money. But I don't know that you have to add additional layers of diversity to an already diverse environment, right? You're, you got an adventuring party with a half-orc, a dwarf, a, a an elf, a half elf and like a kender or a halfling, that's pretty diverse. You would think so? I think anyway, yeah. You know, um, but that's just me. What do I know? Uh, you know, I wholeheartedly agree with you and I'll add, yeah, diversity is a fantastic thing, but you do not have to diversify every single thing you touch. We get it. Yeah. All right. You're overdoing it. Knock the crap off. Yeah, and it, it 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 is a fantastic thing, especially in a fantasy setting. Well, well, right? I, well if uh, hey, let's go, let's go one more step. Right? You know, we're gonna have centaurs, but we're gonna make some of them goats, and uh, we're gonna make some of them dogs, and we're gonna make some of. I mean, just what what's next? Um, yeah, we get it. Okay, it, it is inclusivity, okay. but you're overdoing it, and you're making it look ridiculous now. Yeah, um, but that's just my opinion. And, and I, you know, one of the things that I always liked about D&D and other, like, tabletop role-playing games was the, the diversity. The diversity that is, I think it speaks to diversity in and of itself, right? Where well, you, it's a diversity we didn't see because we were all young, white males. Yeah. That basically was the only thing that played the game for the most part. The gaming group we had before we started this one, way back when in the 80s and 90s, Travelers Unlimited, we actually had African-Americans, we had Latinos, we had women. We were extremely inclusive, and we had a lot of people that came to our group, and we were very, very diversified. So I look at it and go, why are you trying so hard? 
Well, oh, to make money. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Just, I answered my own question. Um, the, the, the funny thing is, is um, they talk about the, um, the, the Kender having pouches or pockets magically filled with all sorts of trinkets and stuff, and no one knows where these objects come from. Back back when the Crin book first came out, and if you read Dragon Dragonlance, the Kender are thieves, right? They're mislabeled. It says yeah. this has led many Kender to be mislabeled as thieves when they fish these items out of their pockets. The Kender the Kender know where the where the stuff came from. Oh they, yeah. They forgot, but they forgot they had it. Culturally, the Kender have no concept of personal property. It's so, there. You're not using it. So I like I'm, it. I'm so going to. Yeah. Hey, I'm, hey, I might need this, and I'm going to take it. They're not stealing it. They just no one's using it right now, and I might need it later. So I'm going to grab it. Yeah, it's a it's a cultural trait with yes. with, with with the Kender. That's the way it used to be, and and I think that that it it's perfectly fine to keep it that way. I agree because when you when you look at it, it's like no, this is an aspect of who they are as collective people. Yes. Where there's no, there's no, this is your stuff. You know, this is my <laughs> yeah. stuff. This is just, oh, there it is. You know, ownership is fluid. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's, I think when you do stuff like this and it's like, well, they magically, it's like you, you, you take away, you strip a layer of, of that, that cultural coolness you know, from the, from, from like the species, the race, the culture, whatever you want to. I know why they did it. Cause once again, they're pandering to the MMO twits and they're, they're saying, Oh, well you don't have to write anything down. Cause apparently like writing thing down now is a lost art. Once again, I'm on my old man box. We're just going to let you just think something up and pull it out of your pockets. Cause it, it magically appears. Yeah, which is unfortunate, and I and I see your see your point in that. It's one of the things that I always enjoy when I when I've played Kender characters back in the the nineties, which seems like an eternity ago, maybe because it was <laughs> you was kid. writing down these these things. Yeah, all the you know all the bubbles. This is what this is what is in my pockets, mm-hmm. and how can I take this item and use it to to uh creatively maneuver my way into or out of a situation. And now it's time for a break. Come play games with the Dungeon Masters Dojo at Rising Phoenix Game Con this April. We're pleased to be attending the New England's hottest new gaming convention from April 22nd to the 24th at the Doubletree by Hilton in Milford, Massachusetts. There are going to be games, vendors, and panels. If you're a GM, a great way to support Rising Phoenix Game Con is to run some games. If you're a gamer, you can support Rising Phoenix Game Con by buying tickets and attending the convention. Rising Phoenix Game Con is organized by friend of the podcast, Scott Legault, and a group of amazing gamers. You can check them out over at risingphoenixgamecon.com. You can get your tickets and sign up for games over at tabletopevents.com. Early registration is now open. We hope to see you at Rising Phoenix Game Con this April. Links will be in the show notes. Welcome back. And if you took enough time, chances of fishing out what you needed would increase. At least as a game master, that's how I ran it. You know, if you took a little time and it's like, I know it's in this pocket, 
but I'm not too sure where it is. And you're fishing around, you pull a couple things out. If you had the time, you could take your time to locate it and you would find it. Some, of course, most often not. They didn't have the time. They were rushed and pulled out, you know, a set of antlers as opposed to lock picks. But yeah, I think they've kind of diminished the this particular. It's a loss of flavor. It is. Right. There's uh and and vanilla ice cream is wonderful. It's one of my favorite ice creams. But you know what? Sometimes I like a little fudge ripple. Mm. Right? Sometimes I like the Neapolitan. Keep the flavor in, you know, especially especially when it's an aspect of 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 that that culture or species or race or whatever you want to call it. And and be creative. What this did was, I don't remember, I don't know if you remember the old DC role-playing game. Yes. That came out around the same time, um, TSR's Marvel Superheroes. It was it was way clunkier. <laughs> but they had this thing called the Omni Gadget. And the Omni Gadget, Batman had Omni Gadgets. You know, it's like you can pull something out of your belt that is going to be helpful in whatever situation you're in. Yep. And basically, this is what it is, which is... I think it's a shame. Well, not only that, but because it's a magic item, it glimmers softly and disappears after an hour. Yeah. And it's- I've picked locks with forks with my Kender <laughs> character. I've, you know, I've done all sorts of things with stuff I had in my pouch. It's how many, about do- how many doors have you had to jam, you know, so no one can open it? And you're, yeah. you're wedging, God only knows what you pulled out of your pockets. Yep. Any, any number. What are you of using? Things. A stale wedge of cheese. <laughs> I used. Um, three Christmas tree ornaments that I had in my pockets. I was being chased by, well, we, the, like the party was being chased by a bunch of, a bunch of, uh, goblins or orcs or something. It was some monster. I think it was goblins. And I broke them in the hallway. The goblins are barefoot. Yeah. So I broke them in the hallway to do a little bit of damage, slow their pursuit. Christmas caltrops. Yeah. Um, but stuff like that, it, yep. it's, it's good to be creative in the game. And I think stuff like this kind of strips that creativity away from players. Well, it does. Cause then you just pull out whatever you think you need at the moment. Yeah. And yeah, there's going to be a, a touch of creativity because you have to think of what you might need, but I can see a lot of players, um, defaulting to the obvious and the average Yep. as opposed yeah. to trying to, like you said, try to creatively come up with something with what you already have. They did keep that bravery in there, which I, I like. I'm happy they did that. I thought that was a unique thing amongst yes. the Kender. But then the you possess a magical ability to pull an item out of the bag. I don't the Kender weren't magical creatures. They were not. They were almost like small humans with very like they looked very much like very um, much like small humans with like slightly pointy ears and sticky like middle hands. aged children. Yeah, um, I think that's how they were described in in the books. Mm-hmm. What a terrible shame! And then they have they have the D six chart here, which is flaccid at best. You know, it's a shame. Um, yeah, there was it doesn't look like they put any effort into this one. Which a player and I encourage DMs. I encourage you to pick up the old Crin book from second edition. Do some reading on it, you know. Get get a taste for for what it what it was like back in the day when Dragonlance was in its heyday, and I think you'll find the information contained in there far more compelling. 
Um, they do have taunt, which they, they did before. The which supernatural is cool. ability. Yeah, it, and it wasn't back then. It wasn't supernatural. It was just they they were that that person that knew how to get under they your skin. Annoying. They were annoying. Yeah. They, they were like miniature Lou's. I knew that was coming. Yeah. <laughs> I saw Scott peek over here. I saw Bill peek over here. I was like, oh, it's coming. Hey, you know, just, Lou, you can't you can't deny. I'm not going to. You can't deny. Because <laughs> that's how I would be. So yeah. so that's my take on the Kender. I, you know, I, I hope I didn't upset anybody, but I just feel like they stripped so much that made this this race, like, really cool. They I, took a lot of that it, stuff. It was out. a huge race and they they basically reduced it to four paragraphs. Yeah. Yeah. Shame on you, whoever that, it was that wrote this. Yeah. Um, um but we get a sorcerer subclass, which which is nice. It's always nice to get some new stuff. It's interesting. The, yeah. The sorcerer subclass. I went through it a little bit and I was kind of intrigued a bit. Um, you're dealing with, basically, you're dealing with lunar magic. Yeah. Uh, phases which, of the moon and, and being linked to the phases of the moon. I, th- I, I think that's pretty pretty cool. I know the three moons, was it three moons? Three, three moons. moons on Kryn were were uh, a, a very important part of the the history, the magic, the lore of Kryn, which is, which is nice that they're... You know they're looking looking to those for uh, sorcery subclass, and I said it's interesting. I mean, you get the manifestations of the lunar magic, which is okay because that way people know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are using lunar magic. That's kind of it. You you glow faintly with one to match the color of the moon of your world, which is interesting because it's one of them is going to be black. Uh, your pupils shift into a shape matching the current phase of the moon and spectral manifestation of the moon or moons of your world orbit around you. Your shadow is limbed in a faint light as if it was a lunar body during a solar eclipse. That one would be cool. Uh, some of the, the magic they give you isn't too bad. Nope. Uh, they kind of basically took sacred flame and kind of uh, the effects did it a little bit. I mean, Sacred Flame a lot of times could already, you know, already was like a radiant energy, and so it's real easy to do that. Uh, lunar embodiment, uh, each of your spells count as a sorcerer spell. Uh, I I think the lunar spells are okay because they're based on the different phases of the moon, and I could see this in play. Uh, later on, you get the ability to shift, you know, between the different phases, but when you start. You start at full moon phase, and then you move into the crescent moon, then new moons. It's it's interesting because, and I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but um, at the end of March, Moon Knight comes out, and Moon Knight's powers and abilities are dependent on you know the phase, phase of the moon. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I like Moon Knight. I don't like Moon Knight stuff in my fantasy. I'm down with him in my Marvel superheroes games, but I think them thematically this could be fun to play. Yeah, I think so. It could be because your your mat your magic would shift 
basically weekly. <laughs> yeah. You know, it just every different, every week you had di- access to different spells and other spells would be locked off to you until you get to higher levels where you could freely shift from one to the other. But in the, the first, you know, five levels, you're kind of locked into what phase of the moon is it? All right, this is what I have available. Eh, I think thematically it could be fun. As far as effectiveness, maybe not so much. I, th- I think it would be a nice combination to have your your kind of lunar sorcerer as a a a twin to someone whose powers and abilities are kind of associated with the sun. So yeah. you would have like two very different kind of personalities and and abilities, but they would be they would be twins. Almost like Karaman and Raceland. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, where you had one that was really, really good and one that was definitely definitely going down a totally different path. <laughs> oh yeah, there we'll have a half orc is as your mooncaster and an Asimir is your Yeah. Is your sword. <laughs> your sword. Or a tiefling. You or know. Do, yeah, yes. Yeah, that could be really interesting. Lou, what do you think? You always have you read these things over and more than we do, and you've already got a character built half the time. Not for this one. I really didn't like Scott. I I was kind of let down with this, but for this, I I I find it underwhelming. Very much so. I don't like it really because I probably because there's not enough in there for me to do anything with yet. Yeah, it, it is a little. Yeah, it leaves you wanting. Yes, it leaves that- you want. There, there's potential here. I think as a game master, I would homebrew the living crap out of this. I think as the months come, come more for you know, as the months come on, we'll see more of these UAs. Yeah, hopefully, because I, I probably gonna say in about nine months we'll see a book. I mean, you have your finger on the pulse a little bit better than than we do on this one. <laughs> just, I just, I'm looking for something that I could kind of like, yay, okay, they got, it, but they have this, and I can't find anything. <laughs> well, let's talk about the Knights of Salamnia then. Let's go to the Knights Sturm of Sturm was one of my favorites, and spoiler alert, actually, it's not a spoiler alert. The book's like 40 years old. He dies. Yeah, he dies. Yeah. Um, which is a bummer. There's at least three people going, "Fuck, you had to say that." Yeah. Damn, because <laughs> you know some of our yeah. some of our noobs that just found that series. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be mad Sorry. at you. Sorry, he dies. You're like 30, 40 years too late. You know, come on. It's yeah. That, now these are this could be a little more fun. Um, you start as a squire of Salamnia, which is interesting because before I, normally you just you're a knight. You yeah. don't have you don't have a squire as like a subclass. Usually, I, didn't the Cavalier have a squire? I was gonna say, I think in second edition, one second of the second edition, the Cavalier yeah. had a squire, yep. I believe. Uh, and I think it's the last time we've seen something like from that. Unearthed Arcana. Yep, yep. So it's nice to see that you can start off at first or second or third level as a squire and work your way up. Yeah, it almost smacks of the old titles that you used to get every time you leveled. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. That I love those list of titles, I actually use those a lot. Just to screw with the game master because the few times I actually had a game master when I wasn't actually being one. Ugh, I know what you feel like. Um, the building the character is 
interesting. You have you can get into suggested characteristics with comrades in arms or your family, and the protection of innocent people comes first at all costs. Uh, you join the knights for the free meals, but their lessons seem to grow on you. I kind of like that one. Um, wish I wish my deeds to become the stuff of legends, just like those of knighthood heroic founders. And a dishonorable act drove me to become a knight so I can act with honor ever since. I like the trinkets, and I love that uh, trinket number one. Yeah. It uh, gives you a, 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 a CD or a DVD to record all your stuff on. <laughs> it's a flat silver disc that you scribe onto, but I like where you're going. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I um, I think I like number five, a meaningful favor from someone you defended, perhaps a handkerchief or glove. Yeah, yeah, I think that that uh, that, that has chivalry all over it. You got to follow that, follow number oh. four with that, the pommel of your mentor's sword. Yeah, you're just walking around with one. like the handle of the sword, mm-hmm. trying to find the master that made his sword. So you can have that pommel put on yours. Yeah, that could be you know that, that could be a, a quest all of its own. Is you know have you seen this before? Every time you go to a town, you go to the weaponsmith. Have you seen this pommel before? Do you recognize? Do you know who made this? Because there's no maker's mark. That is, um, I've always liked the Knights of Salamnia. We kind of modeled the Order of the Drake after them. We did very much so. Uh, Mage of High Sorcery. This looks really interesting. That's what. Like Raceland was, I think, yes. in the dragon. He was one of yes. one of these, wore the red robes. You be, obviously become an initiate of the high sorcery first. From there, you work and you build your mage. The study of magic drives the mages of high sorcery. Considered, consider which of the groups, three orders you aspire to join. The mage of high sorcery, personality traits table is, as again, another D6, but I would be adding... A few things to that, a lot of things to that, but it, it gives you kind of the basics. My study of magic might reveal all manner of secrets. Magic is a means of power, and I'll use it to pursue my ambitions. I learn magic so I'd be able to protect those I care about. I use my magic to maintain the balance between all things. Whether in the past, present, or future, I'll be the greatest mage ever known. So that there's some high-aspiring things there, but, yep. you know. And, and I, I like the trinket. That's a lens through which you can see Crin's invisible black moon, Nuatari. I spotted that one. I went, oh, that is cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. I think originally there was a spell. I'm trying to think of somewhere as I'm thinking of it. Of course, this, this sieve that I have for a brain is not going to pull up any kind of details. But at one point, there was some kind of spell that allowed you to see it. And I'm not going to recall which one it is. And, and someone out there is going to dig it up and go, nope, you're wrong. It was this. That's how I remember it. So we got some we got some feats. New feats. It's always good to have extra feats. You get the uh, choice of Adept of the Black Robes, which I think is what Raceland graduated to after he left behind the Red Robes. Yep. Um, and there's the Adept of the White Robes, of course. And you get Divine communications divinely favored i mean you get a decent amount there's actually quite a bit here more than i thought i was gonna see so and some of these aren't too bad uh when you you will go back to uh the adept of the black robes you have life channel 
it allows you to channel your life force into the power of your magic. When a creature you see within 60 feet of you fails on a saving throw against a spell you cast, you can spend a number of hit dice equal to your level of the spell. Roll the number of hit dice equal to the half number of hit dice expended, round it up, and the damage the triggered creature takes increases by the amount equal to the total rolls of those dice. So it's kind of like, you know, hey, hey, that didn't hurt. Okay, I can make it worse. One of the things that I really, really like about this is that you can kind of get, well, not kind of, you can get promoted in the Knights of Salamnia yeah. every four levels by taking taking a feat because I think it was it was uh Knight of the Knight of the Sword, the Knight of the Rose, and then Knight of the Crown was how you how you worked your way up through yeah, the that, levels. That sounds of, about right. Of membership in the Knights of Salamnia. Uh so that's that's pretty pretty cool. And then of course there's the Squire of Salamnia, which you start with. I still uh, like the idea of the yeah, the night the squire I think it's a great Salamnia. idea. Yeah, at at level one, what else would you be? Yeah, right? you're not going to be a knight at level one. I would hold the, the the knight until fourth level, and most of them, the prerequisite is fourth level squire of Salamnia, and or fourth level and the squire of Salamnia feet. So you can't become a knight until you make the prerequisites, and right. and you're not going to become a knight until fourth just, level. I say, this is the first time, well, at least in five e, that I've seen prereqs. Yeah. Well, there's a few floating out there. There's not too many. No, not many. Not many but this, but this going one down here, the list. like the racial feats. Yeah. Yes. Rex, but, right. But right. this is class based. Class. Yeah. Yep. Now, whether they keep it is another matter. That's cool, though. I really like that. I think that is that is neat. I think out of all this, that's probably the the best in there is the Knights of Salamia. I mean, you get a taste, right? Six yeah. pages yeah. worth of a taste. Hopefully, we get a Crin book, and it and it's not. Not disappointing to me anyway. Well, that's all that matters, whether we like it. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, I It's it's hard when this new stuff comes out as much as I want to see it. When they kind of make these changes, and I understand the necessity for change as, you know, the years march on, but I, I think you lose a lot of flavor, and I hope that that doesn't yeah, There's doesn't the There's the chance much. that a lot of it's going to be, I mean, look at the Kender. I mean, it's four paragraphs. Yeah. Um, they, that's been butchered. Uh, they, they haven't lost the flavor. Uh, that's, that's worse than vanilla. Yeah. That's flavorless jello right there. But I think it's like you said, they're just giving you a little, a little peak. A little and peak. I hope so. I, I, I really, really hope so. And I really hope they look at it and they listen to people getting back to them. Cause you know, people are going to get back to them. Not just us spouting off here. There's a lot of people that are going to get on their web pages and, and go to the comment section going, what the hell did you do? At least we hope they do, and they listen. Yes, and if they listen, then maybe, maybe we'll get you know something a little better than this. We shall see. We shall see. And that's our look at the Heroes of Crin UA. We'll see you next time in a dojo. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you and have a good day.